Okay, so last week we started a brand new teaching series, uh, The Storyteller, looking at some of the stories that Jesus told throughout his life and ministry known as parables and um, you know he, he often used these these stories to to have a dig at religious leaders which I love um, and he also used them to uh, to to kind of cement a point that he was making or to to really kind of emphasize and expand whatever it is that he was teaching on in that moment to whoever it was that was listening to him and last week we we talked about the parable of the minas or the talents and we just kind of looked at how Jesus used that story to emphasize uh, the importance of us being faithful and us being trustworthy with what we have been given. Okay, so if you missed that, you can jump back on YouTube or on Spotify or wherever it is that you get your podcasts from um, and you can catch up. But this morning, we are going to take a look at another story uh, found in Luke chapter 11. So if you've got your Bibles, why don't you turn with me? Luke chapter 11, starting at verse 5. It says this. And he said to them, which of you has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you though, he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend Yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I don't know about you, but I can relate a little bit to this story when I'm in bed. Whether it's, you know, I'm just getting settled in an evening or it's the middle of the night or it's some ungodly hour in the morning the house better be burning down or you better be dying if you want me to get up out of bed I am not a morning person don't mess with me unless I absolutely have to be woken up but our kids are early risers as was I as a child I apologize mum I am reaping the uh, consequences now our children are early risers uh, risers it was like half six we've set as the this is the earliest time you can get out of bed if it's before 6 30 go back to bed try and get to sleep if it's after 6 30 fine you can get up. But it used to be that 6.30 on the dot every morning, one of them would come in and say, is it okay if I get up if I go downstairs? And so we would let them if it was 6.30 or, or afterwards. But it's kind of, we've trained them now that actually if the clock says 6.30, you're good to go. 
You don't need to bother us. You don't need to wake us up. If it's 6.30 on the clock, you can go downstairs, occupy yourselves, do whatever it is that you want. They've just not learned and grasped the true beauty of sleep yet. But one day they will. When they turn into teenagers, they will sleep for days. That's what Taya does. We barely see her when she's at home. She's either in bed, eating, or at work, and that's it. So, you know, hopefully they'll get there sooner rather than later. But they're, they're, it's annoying, isn't it, when, when you get woken up? And in fact, actually, like I say, we've trained the kids so they don't wake us up anymore. But this week, out of the blue, I'm lying in bed. My alarm's not gone off yet. And the cat starts pouring at my arm. I mean, this is, this is new. She's not done this before. She's like pouring at my arm and then she's jumping up, walking across the pillows, pestering us. And if she's out, that means she's been fed. So she doesn't want anything. She doesn't need anything, but she's just pestering us. And I'm like, leave me alone, cat. Quit bothering me. Quit bothering me. I feel like I'm not alone in this. I think no one likes to be bothered, do they? No one likes to be pestered. We don't want to be mithered into something. Have you ever had any, anyone say to you, I used to get this at work sometimes, if you, if you speak to someone about some, something and you've asked them a question, and they say, oh, if I don't get back to you by Friday, then just give me a nudge. Just keep bothering me until I've got back to you with the response. But that goes against everything that's inside my being because I don't want to be pestered. So I don't want to pester other people because I know how annoying it is. I know how frustrating it is when people pester you. And I think that actually this can be kind of uh, indicative of our relationship with God. But the only difference is, and what an amazing difference it is, is that he loves to be pestered. He loves to be bothered. He loves it. Get this, God already knows what it is that we need. He already knows what it is that we want. He already knows what it is that we're going to ask him for, but he wants to hear it anyway. He wants to hear it anyway. He wants to know our heart. He wants us to share with him because as we approach him, even though he already knows, as we approach him, it's relationship building. It's us making the first move towards building this relationship with God, knowing that he, as our heavenly father, wants to give us good gifts, wants to bless us with every spiritual blessing, that actually as we make the first move, as we approach him and say, God, I need your help, he loves it. He loves it. And we wouldn't ask God for something if we didn't know that he was going to answer our prayers. We wouldn't approach him if we thought like the end of this parable that he would give us something horrible when we were asking for something good. It would be a waste of our time, wouldn't it, to, to, to pester God for something if we didn't think that he would hear our prayers. So sometimes we say, you know, God, I need... I need your wisdom in this situation. Can you help me? Oh God, I need your input in this financial struggle that I'm facing. Will you intervene? Or oh God, I need this healing miracle. Will you step into this situation? And it fills him with joy. It fills him with joy when we approach him and we, we share our heart with him and we ask him for what it is that we need and we, and we look to him for whatever it is that we're believing for. And at the end of this story, it gives us this encouragement, doesn't it? If you then who are evil 
we who are being called evil in this parable know how to give good gifts to our children. We do, don't we? If, our, if a child comes to us and asks us for something, if we can, we will. If you then, who know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Such assurance from God, such confidence that comes that not only will he hear our prayer, but he will answer them. He won't just hear our prayers, but he will answer them. But what we can learn from this, this story is that actually it, it first requires action. In order for, for God to respond to our prayers, it first requires action. Ask, seek, knock. That's what we're hearing. All of these are actually verbs in the Greek, in the continuous presence present tense the continuous present tense it means keep on asking keep on knocking keep on seeking it's not a one-time thing but it's a continuous act of seeking of pursuing God with this with this expectation the emphasis here is not simply on prayer but it's on persistent prayer it's on bothering God. It's on mithering God. Pray about what matters. Pray about what it is that's on your heart and keep on praying. Keep on praying. Ask and ask again and keep on asking. Seek in, in those valleys. Seek God and keep on seeking. Knock on the throne room of heaven. And keep on knocking until the door opens and the blessings of God fall out. Our boys have this, have this thing that they do, and I am not exaggerating when I say it is every single time they get to our front door. Whoever's with them, it doesn't matter, they press the bell. But they don't just press the bell one time. They press it, and they press it, and they press it, and they keep on pressing it until the door is opened, whether that's by the person who stood right next to them with a key in their hand, or in the house. They keep on pressing that bell until the door is opened. They have got this principle to a T already. We need to be persistent. We need to keep on keeping on until the door is opened for us. So let's just look at this parable for a minute. A guy goes to his neighbor's house and he says, I need some bread because I've got this unexpected visitor show up. And so he starts banging on the door. Hey man, lend me some bread because I've not got anything to give. I need to feed my friend. And I think that the response that comes from the neighbor who is all nice and warm, tucked up in his bed, Quit bothering me. Quit bothering me. I am in bed. It is warm. The lights are off. The door is shut. Leave me alone. But it goes on. Yet because of his impudence, the, the Passion Translation puts it, because of his shameless persistence, he'll get up and give you all your need. I wonder what it is that's driving this man to be so persistent, to keep on banging on the door, to not take no for an answer. Well, it says in verse six, 
For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. I've got nothing to set before him. I love this because it shows us that actually persistence in prayer comes often when we realize that we've got nothing to give. I've got nothing to give. I need your help. So he persists. He persists. Now, don't get me wrong. We should take all things to God in prayer. No matter how big or small, we take them to God in prayer because he is not disinterested. He is not this distant, far-off person who doesn't really care about what's going on in our lives. He loves us. He is our loving Father. He wants to know about the small details. He wants to hear about the big things. He wants to hear about what it is that you're passionate for, what you're believing for. Take all of your requests to God because he wants to hear them. And so we pray and we pray. But when we recognize that we've got nothing to give, in those moments where we're praying out of desperation, when we're praying because, uh, you know, there's nothing that our, our family can do, there's nothing that our friends can do, or our colleagues, or our bosses, or our, our schoolmates, or, or the doctors can do, when we get to that point, the dynamic shifts in the way that we pray. This kind of prayer dynamic, it, it shifts because actually in that moment when we recognize that only God can make a difference, there's something that changes in the way that we pray that becomes, that drives this persistence, that, that brings us to, to bother God, to keep on banging on the door because we recognize I've got nothing to give. In this moment, I've got nothing to give, so God I need you to step in. You know, when we're, when we're in a situation and we know that it doesn't really matter or we know that, that we could probably solve this solution if we really tried, we pray to God and we say, God, I could use your help in this situation, but we know that there's probably a way around or we could take a different route or we could figure something out if God says no, if God doesn't answer, if we don't get the reply that we want. But in those moments when only God will do, when only God will do, it's then that this, this shift happens and we begin to pray with more fervor, with more passion, with more uh, persistence. We're no longer just asking for some bread. We're, we're not banging on the door just for a simple need. What we're doing is we're, we're, we, we no longer care about what time it is or whether we're disturbing God or whether we're pestering God or whether we're bothering God because only God will do. And so we pester him, we bother him and actually what we can learn from this story is that he loves it. He loves it. He's telling this story to say that we love it, that he loves it. And so let's look again at the, at the friend's first response because I think that there's something in here. You know, he said, uh, he said, don't bother me. His neighbor comes banging on the door at some ungodly hour asking for bread to, to share with this visitor. And how does he respond? The New Living Translation puts it this way, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. 
I can't help you. Or in more simple terms, his response to the question is no. That's what he's saying, isn't it? You're asking me for this thing, no is my answer. No is my answer. But wait a minute, if we're applying this story to our prayer lives, if we're to take what we're reading from this parable and put it into action when it comes to our desires, when it comes to our wants and our needs, what we want to do is quote 2 Corinthians 1.20, all God's promises are yes and amen. So where does no fit into our prayer lives? Where does no fit in? What do we do when God says no? What do we do when God says no? Our friend in this story, he could have quit when the guy said no. He knocked on the door and said, I need some bread for my visitor. Can you help me? Quit bothering me. I'm in bed. Sling your hook. He could have quit at no. He could have heard that response and then returned to his guest and said, do you know what? I'm sorry, he won't help me, I got nothing, we're just going to have to do without. But we need to learn something from this parable. We need to take something from this story that actually we can't be afraid of no. We can't stop at no. Don't quit at no. We need to recognize that actually no is a part of the process. No is a part of the process. And actually, no today doesn't necessarily mean no tomorrow. And so if we were to quit at no the first time we ask, and we didn't ask again tomorrow, we might be missing out on the yes and amen of God. We can't quit at no, because a no today doesn't mean a no tomorrow. If my boys come to me on a Monday morning and say, Daddy, can we have pancakes for breakfast? The answer is going to be no, because we have got a heck of a lot to do to get ready, to get out of the door, to get to school on time. So no, we're not having pancakes for breakfast on a Monday. And if they come to me on a Tuesday and they say, Daddy, can we have some pancakes for breakfast? The answer is going to be no. And Wednesday, and Thursday, and Friday, no, no, no. But if they come to me on Saturday, and they say, can we have some pancakes for breakfast? It does not take a lot of persuading. In fact, just yesterday, and and I'd written this before uh, uh, this happened, just yesterday, Toby came to me, and we were just chatting, and, and he said, he mentioned pancakes. And I knew I'd written this, He didn't know I'd written this, and he mentioned pancakes, and then he got distracted, and so he didn't actually ask me for them. He was just kind of like, oh, we could have pancakes, and then he went off to play. Well, that was it. It was in my head. I'm like, we're having pancakes for breakfast, so we had pancakes yesterday because he didn't even ask me, because we know how to give good gifts, and if we know how to give good gifts, how much more will our heavenly Father? Just because it's a no today doesn't mean we shouldn't ask again tomorrow. Now, I'm not naive enough to think that if we pray and if we believe for something for a certain amount of time, that God will be impressed with our persistence and that will persuade him to say yes. That is not how God works. We don't have the power to control God's response. 
what we can know for certain is that when we take our requests to God, he will respond. He will respond. It might be yes, it might be no, it might be maybe later, but he will respond. But we don't have the power to to control his response. But what we as believers do have the power to do is to keep on praying, to persist, to bother, to mither God, to keep on approaching God and not being put off by a no, not being, not quitting at a maybe later because it's not now and I want it now and it's in my time, but actually recognizing God's providence and keep on praying. Maybe ask yourself this morning, is there anything that you've given up on because you heard a no? What have you been asking God for and you're not hearing the response that you want? And so you've quit asking. You've quit asking. So maybe this morning what God's saying to us is that actually that thing that you once heard a no for, maybe ask him again. Maybe ask him again because a no yesterday doesn't necessarily mean a no today. Over the past kind of few weeks, I've heard a number of people saying how they're struggling to, to shift these lockdown pounds as they've, been, as they've been dubbed. And it's been a funny time, hasn't it? Because, you know, for like 15 months, we were locked up at home. Uh, those of us that are parents locked up with our kids 24-7. And so actually, a little snack here or there, in reality, got us through the day. It's what we were living for, that glass of wine at the end of the day or whatever it was. And so we're now reaping the consequences of our actions for the past 15 months. And so, you know, we're, we're struggling, or, or a few people I've been chatting with, struggling to shift these pounds. Now, I went on a, a bike ride on Friday. I did the Preston Guild Wheel. That's 21 miles worth of bike ride. That took us three hours and yet I still look like this. I did that bike ride. I put in the effort and nothing changed. What is going on? What is going on? Unfortunately, that is not how it works, is it? I think a lot of us would, would quite enjoy it if that's how it works. But we live in this instant society, don't we? People expect things instantly. If, if you don't want to wait for your food, there are plenty of fast food options. If you want to know what's going on in the news, you don't have to wait until 6 p.m. to turn the TV on. You can just open your phone and get it immediately. If you don't know how to spell something, Alexa, spell immediately, and she will dutifully tell you. Did you know Amazon now offers occasionally same-day delivery? You don't even need to wait until tomorrow. If you order at the right time, it'll come today. It's bonkers. We live in this society where people expect things immediately. Our lives are turning into this giant vending machine, and we're expecting things instantly. We're becoming addicted to these instant responses to things. And I think there's a danger of allowing this to spill into our relationship with God. That actually sometimes we can take a request to God, we can approach God with something we're believing for, and we expect it instantly. Now we know that God can do things instantly. 
He can do things immediately. We've, we've heard of or, or maybe we've experienced the suddenlies of God. But just because he can doesn't mean he will. God's timing is perfect. And I think often that can be a challenge for us to hear that God's timing is perfect because I've got this thing that I need or I've got this friend who needs healing or I've got this situation that I need God to intervene in. And so I'm seeking God, I'm praying to God and I need it right now and he's not responding on our time frame. But we need to remember that God's timing is is perfect. Someone once said that God takes a long time to act suddenly. God takes a long time to act suddenly. So are we guilty perhaps of of allowing and applying these ideologies of an immediate society to our prayer life where we, we pray to God and we're disappointed if we don't get the response immediately? Or maybe we're falling into the trap of where we, we pray to God one time for what it is that we need and then we, we just leave it with God. Well, he knows what I want now. I don't need to keep asking him. I don't need to keep pestering him. I don't need to keep on bothering him. He already knew before I asked him the first time. Now I've done my duty. I've asked him so I can just leave it with God. But Jesus tells this story. He tells this parable as a response to his disciples' question, teach us how to pray. They've come to him and they've said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And then he jumps into this parable about this guy bothering and pestering his neighbor. So he is setting the tone and the culture of our prayer lives through this story. Because God's attitude isn't quit bothering me, It's bother me because he's interested. He wants that relationship. He wants to hear from us. He he wants us to to ask again, to seek again, to knock again, to worship again, to believe again, to trust again. He wants to hear from us. Don't stop bothering God. Don't stop bothering him. Even though we know that he will answer the door after the first ring, keep on ringing the bell. Keep on pressing that button. Don't stop. He wants you to pester him. He wants you to bother him. He wants to hear your heart. Let's recognize that, that we need God, that, that actually we've got nothing to give. Like the man from this story, we've got nothing to give. And so God, we look to you. God, we look to you, who knows how to give good and perfect gifts. We've got nothing, but you, God, have got everything we could possibly need. So let's recognize that. Let's accept that no is a part of the process. That sometimes God will say no, but a no today doesn't mean a no tomorrow. So we should keep on keeping on. Keep on praying. Don't give up at no. And let's break out of this instant society and seek God continually. Not just praying once and then leaving it with him, but continuing to to build that relationship with him as we spend time in his presence, as we share our heart's desires with him time and time again. 
He never grows tired of hearing what is on your heart. He never grows tired or gets bored or gets fed up of hearing what's going on in your life. Let's keep on praying to God because the suddenlies of God can take time. The suddenlies of God can take time. So let me end with a couple of quotes that I found from two 19th century Christian authors um, that talked about persistent prayer. Edward Bounds said, persistent praying never faints or grows weary. It is never discouraged. It never yields to cowardice, but is lifted up and sustained by a hope that knows no despair and a faith that will not let go. Persistent praying has a patience to wait and a strength to continue. It never prepares itself to quit praying and it refuses to get up from its knees until an answer is received. That is so powerful. That is so powerful. I love that it, the idea has the patience to wait. We need patience as we keep on praying, but the strength to continue as well. This, and the funny thing is that actually, while we're praying for whatever it is that we're praying for, we also need to be praying for God to give us the patience to wait and give us the strength to keep on praying. It, we need him in order to need him. It's a bonkers cycle, but God is good. And Andrew Murray, not the tennis player, said this, persistence has various elements. The main ones are perseverance, determination, and intensity. It begins with a refusal to readily accept denial. That's that not taking no, not quitting at no. This develops into a determination to persevere, to spare no time or trouble until the answer comes. And then this grows in intensity until the whole being is given to God in supplication. Boldness comes to lay hold of God's strength. At one point, it claims at once what it desires. There's that suddenly, in whatever different shape. Persistence always means and knows that God hears prayer. I must be heard. I must be heard. As I was preparing this message this week, I, I really felt God impress on me that actually there are some people either in the room or online or both that have been praying to God for something for some time and have not yet got the response that they want. Whether that's they've had a no, but are not happy with the no, or you've had a maybe later and maybe actually you've, you've given up or you've quit or you've, you've stopped bothering God because you're disheartened or discouraged or you're tired or, or you're just you know, weak from, from believing but not seeing the response. And so uh, I just want to give some time today. I just want to give some time today to wait on God, to once again br bring these requests to him, knowing that he is our heavenly father, knowing that he is a good, good father who knows how to give good and perfect gifts because we can't give up. We can't lose hope. Sometimes we even get to the point where we doubt God because we've been praying for so long. We've been persisting for so long and we're getting tired, but this is not the time to give up. This is the time to 
stand firm and to recognize that actually as we pray, we demonstrate faith. We demonstrate faith and we, we build relationship and actually we draw close to God. And the Bible says as we draw close to God, he draws close to us. And so as we pray, we need to recognize that we gain access to heaven. As we pray, we take hold of God's strength. Don't just ask, keep asking. Don't just knock, keep knocking. Don't just seek, keep seeking. Why? Because God not only hears persistent prayer, but he answers persistent prayer in a powerful way. So we're going to just uh, just put some music on for a minute and uh, I just want to spend some time just waiting on God. So uh, if this is you and, and this is resonating in your spirit right now, feel free. We're just going to, I'm just going to ask you to uh, bow your heads, close your eyes in prayer. Um, if you feel this is resonating with you, then why don't you stand um, so I can pray for you and with you? Because I believe that God hears our prayer. I believe that as we persist in our prayers, that he will.